My name's Michael, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and it really is always an honor and a privilege to be able to share with you um, this morning. And maybe you've been coming for the past several months, and we've been here, my family and I, we've been here for about seven months. And so you may have come since we've been here, so we're both newer. But I wanted to just take a moment to kind of reintroduce you to my family. So I brought a picture with me this morning, and I just want to kind of walk you through uh, the dynamic that's a little bit in our family. So my wife, Linnell, not only is she beautiful and smart and amazing, she's also my best friend. And uh, she, she gets to sing up here sometimes in the choir when she's not here in the choir because people have asked me, where's your wife today? Or we missed your wife in service today. Well, she helps in the preschool um, ministry every other Sunday, and she takes care of our preschool kids. And some of you have asked me, hey, Pastor Michael, how did you get her? And before I can be offended, I'm like, I have no idea. I mean, it must have been a momentary lapse of judgment or something happened that day where she just said, okay. Um, but anyway, so I'm blessed to have her as my wife. And then Abigail's our oldest. She's 14. And uh, not only is she beautiful and smart, she makes me laugh a whole lot. And we have a lot of fun together. And I'm, I'm trying to let her drive more. And she's asking more if, Dad, can I drive? Can I drive? Can I drive? So we're, we're in that whole dynamic right now. And then my son, Malachi, he just turned 11 yesterday. Um, and he's sick in my office today. I think he had too much pizza and cake. But um, so he's laying in my office this morning, not feeling too well. But Malachi is one of the most creative um, guys that I know. He loves building stuff. He loves Legos. He loves building. Uh, he plays this game called Minecraft where he builds these little worlds. And, and, uh, and then he taught himself how to play the drums several years ago. And he plays in our kids ministry. He got on YouTube and started looking up worship songs and drum covers. And now he's self-taught, taught himself how to play the drums. So that's Malachi. And I love it because we're the only two boys in the house. And one day he came up to me and he's like, Dad, my armpits smell like onions. And I was like, yes, he's discovering his smells. This is awesome. Um, and so that was amazing. And then there's Liliana. She's eight. Um, and most women speak 20,000 words a day, and she doubles that normally. Um, and, and she is so cr crazy, loving, amazing girl. And, and I had tried to convince Linnell to have four kids, and she's like, no, we're just going to have three. And I feel like the Lord said, okay, since you guys just want to have three kids, I'm going to put two children in this one child. Um, and so she's our strong-willed child. I don't know if any of you know a strong-willed child or you were a strong-willed child. And we call it bossy. She's like, I just want everybody to know what they're supposed to be doing. Um, and so she's going to be a great leader one day. Uh, but, but Linnell has told me, she's like, Michael, you know where she gets some of that from. She gets it from you um, because she, she wants to be in control of things in her life. Uh, and so I'm here today. Hi, my name's Michael, and I'm a control freak. Um, and it doesn't bother me when I want the dishwasher to be loaded a certain way. It doesn't bother me when I want the towels to be folded a certain design, a pattern way. It doesn't bother me when the lawn needs to be mowed in a certain pattern so that NASA can see the messages from space. It, that, none of those things bother me. It doesn't bother me that the toilet paper needs to go over, not under. All of those little, okay, <laughs> you guys, wow. I'm in good company this morning. Um, and, and so it, that doesn't bother me. But when it's my children and when they come up to me and they're like, hey, Dad, I've got 25 little knots in this gold chain necklace. Or, Dad, can you help me download this app? Or whatever it is that they're wanting my help with. And I'm like, sure, absolutely, I'll help you. And then I'm taking too long. 
or it's not on their timetable, so they're like, they'll grab the chain out of my hand, or they'll grab their phone, or, or whatever, and they're like, never mind, Dad, I got it, I got it, I got this, I've got this. And I'm like, you're sure? I, I want to help you. No, Dad, no, I got it. Okay. So then five minutes, and parents, you know, this five minutes goes by, and, and my kids come back. They're like, hey, Dad, um, can you help me? And in the most loving, sarcastic way possible, I, I say, no, you have it, Lily. You can do it, Malachi. You're fine. You figure it out. You've got this. You, you've got this. And so if you've ever seen that in your children or maybe you, you've seen that in yourself, can you just raise your hand just for a moment? Just slip up your hand. Okay. All right. There's a, a lot. of. If you've ever seen that in your spouse, can you lift? No, I'm joking. Put your hands down. Put your hands down. I'm joking. Someone stood up in the balcony. Okay. Hold on. We'll have an altar call here in a minute, but. So I thought maybe you, you don't know if you have control issues, so I just want to help you with a little bit of self-discovery this morning. I brought some more pictures with me, all right, and they're going to help me. They're going to put them up on the screen for me. If you press this button in the elevator more than once, when you get in there, there might be some control issues that you have, Okay. If the fight for the remote tonight during the Super Bowl, it looks something like this. <laughs> Claws are coming out, hairs flying, people are being bitten. If it looks like this, then, then there's probably some control issues within your house tonight, okay? If you have to label your clothing so that everyone knows it belongs to you, I asked Amber if I could borrow some of Pastor Josh's clothes this morning. <clears throat> If you have to do that, or you're that person's parents, there might be some control things going on in your life. And then just these last two pictures, I just put these up for fun. If your dog has never been off of its leash, okay, or neither have your children, then there, there may be some control things. Now, now, before you start elbowing or you feel uncomfortable about control, control's really not a bad thing. It, it, it's really not. There's only certain areas, and we're going to talk about it this morning. But control, just this idea of certainty versus uncertainty. I mean, we want to be certain about certain things in our lives. I don't like it when I get in my van and, and the lights start coming on and blinking at me because something's wrong with my minivan again. We like to feel certain about certain things in our lives. Or the idea of, of being powerful being, versus being vulnerable. And when I say the word powerful, I don't mean mean or arrogant or prideful. I mean, we want to be confident about things that are going on in our lives. We don't want to feel vulnerable or weak or exposed or, or those sort of feelings in our life. We, we want to have some confidence in, in what's going on around us. Or this idea of uh, having independence versus being dependent on someone. I don't want to walk into the office and, and the staff say, oh, man, here comes Michael again. How much money does he need to borrow today? Or where does he need to ride to today? We want to be independent. We want to be able to, to take care of ourselves and not have to depend on someone else to pick up our tab or, or to take us somewhere, all of those things. These, and, and if you remember, I mean, the major milestones in your life, you remember the first time you learned how to walk or to tie your shoes or, or you rode your bike without training wheels. Or, or you learn how to drive the car and, and you were in the car without mom and dad and you're learning how to drive. Or, or the, the time that you left for college. All of those times. Or, or the first time you got your apartment and, and you're de independent of other people. There's these major milestones in our lives that, that move us towards 
having control and having dependence and having to be, be dependent on other people around us. But then there's moments and in, in, in times in our lives where, where we open up the scripture or you come to church or maybe you're watching online today or, or you come back to church or it's the first time you're in church in a really, really long time. Or, or you've heard someone say, well, God wants you to surrender control. God, God wants you to surrender control of, of your life. God wants you to surrender control of, of your future. And, and, and many times, a lot of us, we have a tendency to say, well, you know what? I mean, I'm okay, Pastor Michael, hold on, time out, time out. I'm okay with surrendering control someday in the sweet by and by in eternity because I don't know what life is like after this life. And, and so I'm okay with surrendering control to God someday in, in heaven. That, that's okay with me. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I've prayed the prayer. I, I, I've done all of those things that I'm supposed to do. I've confessed my sins. I'm okay with surrendering control for someday. But, but Michael, God wants me to surrender control of my dating relationships God wants me to surrender control of my, my money. God wants me to surrender control of where I'm going to go to school at and, and who I'm going to marry. God wants me to surrender control of, of my kids. God wants me to surrender control of, of my retirement and my plan. I mean, Michael, I've got my, my life planned out. I've got a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, and a retirement plan. I mean, I've got all of these dreams and, and ambitions and all of these things that I plan out. God wants me to con surrender control of all of those things. I mean, I'm okay with one day in the sweet by and by, but God wants me to surrender control of that. And, and then all of us. Maybe, or you've experienced this, or you know someone who's experienced this. We think that we have control. And the doctor comes in and, and says, hey, we're going we're gonna to need to run some more tests. Your spouse that you've been married to for over 25 years slides divorce papers across the table and says, I don't think I love you anymore. Your, your kids pick up the phone from college, and, and they're like, hey, mom and dad, um, I'm dropping out of school, and, and don't try to stop me. Yeah, I'm moving in with someone, and we've already found a place, and, and don't come down here because I'm not going to change my mind. Your, your boss comes in. Hey, can we, can we talk for a second? And all of a sudden, all of your plans and all of your feelings of, oh, I have control of this, they feel like they're pieces of sand that are slipping through your fingers, and then you begin to realize, wow, I really don't have as much control as I thought that I had. And, and you come to back to church, or, or, or you come to a pastor, or you set up a counseling appointment, because all of a sudden it feels like your life is spinning out of control, and, and you're praying, oh God, please help me. If you'll just get me out of this situation, if you'll just help me in this circumstance, God, I'll give you control back. I promise. And so today, I, I want us to just look at this Bible story real quick. And in Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, and Genesis actually means beginnings. And, and if you want to turn there, you're welcome to. If you don't, or if you don't have your Bible, it'll be up on the screen. But we're going to be in Genesis chapter 16. And in Genesis chapter 16, the creation stories already happened. Noah and the arks already happened. The Tower of Babel has just recently happened. And, and there's a man that God picks in chapter 12 of Genesis. And his name, you might have heard of him before. His name is Abraham. Father Abraham. You guys remember that? Has many. Okay. 
Erlene, you remember that song? All right, good. All right, so Father Abraham has many sons. Okay, so Abraham, and, and when God first met him, his name was Abram, and his wife's name was Sarai, and then he changed their names to Abraham and Sarah. And, and so God picks Abraham out of, out of this idol-worshiping society. He, he picks Abraham, and there's nothing special about Abraham. He doesn't come from an affluent family. He doesn't come from anything special. Just God, out of his mercy and grace, he says, I want to start a relationship with this guy named Abraham. And so he picks Abraham, and, and he appears to him one day, and he says, Abraham, I want to make a covenant with you. Now, when I hear the word covenant, and, and maybe if you haven't been to church in a long time or, or you've never been to church before, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, when I hear the word covenant, I always think of my wedding ring because this wedding ring represents a covenant, some promises that Linnell and I made to one another many years ago. And we said, you know what? I'm going to love you, and I'm going to cherish you, and I'm going to take care of you in sickness and in health until death do us part. I'm promising today. Regardless of how I feel, the feelings of love, they're going to go, they're going to kind of come and go sometimes. But regardless of that, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And God says, Abraham, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to make an agreement with you. I'm going to bless you, Abraham. And Abraham, check this out. I'm going to bless you and the whole world, all of the people groups, all of the nations, every tribe, tongue, and language, they're going to be blessed because of you. And Abraham says, wow, that sounds great, God. And so God says, I just have one, one, one requirement of you. Do you trust me? And Abraham says, well, if the whole world is going to be blessed through me, then yeah, I trust you. And he says, okay, Abraham, I want you to pack up and I want you to leave your family, your homeland, everything you've ever known, everything you've, the place where you lived, where you graduated from, where you drove your first camel. I want you to leave all of that and I want you to go somewhere else. Okay, where are we going? I, I just want you to go. Okay. And so the next weekend, Abraham gets his U-Haul, and he's loading it up, and, and they're packing up him and his, his nephew, Lot, and they're loading everything up. And you come over to Abraham's house, and you're like, hey, Abraham, where are you going? I, I saw the U-Haul outside. And Abraham says, well, we're, we're leaving. Well, all your family's here, Abraham. Why would you leave everybody and everything that you've ever known? Well, God, God appeared to me, and he told me to leave. Well, where are you going? Are you getting relocated? Is it a good job? Is it a good, it, where, where are you going to? I, I don't know. Okay, Abraham. Well, what are you going to do when you get there, Abraham? I, I, I don't know. He just, he just said, pack up everything and leave, and, and so I'm leaving. And so Abraham and, and, and Sarah and Lot and, and their whole family, all of their servants and all their camels and donkeys and livestock, they, they load everything up and they just start traveling. And he has a tent. And when God, God tells him, he's like, well, maybe we should stop here. And he stops and then he goes and he stops and goes. And he's just wandering around for years. And God appears to him one night again and he says, hey, Abraham, come outside the tent. And Abraham yawns and he gets up and he goes outside and he says, Abraham, look at the stars. He says, Abraham, can you count the stars? And Abraham's like, one, two. No, Abraham, that was a rhetorical question. All right, hold. He says, Abraham, if you could count the stars, then you could count your descendants. I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, Abraham. Kings are going to come from you and queens and mighty warriors and a nation is going to be birthed from your family. I'm going to take your family and I'm going to make you famous. And guys, we're still talking about 
Abraham. I mean, most of you raised your hand when I said, have you ever heard of Abraham? Most of you know, we're talking about him 5,000 years later, so God kept his promise. I mean, he said, you're, you're going to be known all over the world, Abraham. And Abraham's like, hey, God, do you know how old I am? And I don't even want to start with how old Sarah is. Don't ask her, God, how old she is. We're, we're way past that, God. There's no way I'm going to have kids. I mean, we've come to terms with it. We're okay with not having children. In fact, Eleazar, my, my chief of staff, he's going to get my 401K and my portfolio and all of my tax papers and all of my camels and my livestock. I mean, Eleazar, he's getting everything, God. He's going to be my beneficiary. I don't have a son. And God says, Abraham, do you trust me? Okay, God, I trust you, but I don't know how you're going to do this. And so not just a couple of months go by or weeks, years go by. And now Abraham's in his 80s. Sarah's in her 70s, and they still don't have any kids. And so Sarah has an idea. Have you guys ever tried to help God? Sarah has an idea, and in Genesis chapter 16, we're going to see what Sarah's idea is. And, and this is what it says. Genesis chapter 16 in verse number 1, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she says to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go and sleep with my slave, and perhaps I can build a family through her. Sarai's like, hey, Abraham, I mean, God said he was going to bless you and that you were going to become a great nation. So maybe, I mean, it's been years, Abraham, and we still haven't had any kids, and I'm just way too old for this. And so maybe if you go and sleep with Hagar, then we can have our, our family through her. Maybe if we, we take control of this situation, I mean, of course, God would want us to do this, right, Abraham? Because he said that, that he was going to, we know what his promise is, he was going to make us a great nation. So just go and sleep with my servant, Hagar. And Abraham could have said, hey, Sarah, let's pray about this, let's sleep on it, let's think about this a little bit, let's talk this out. But Abraham's like, okay, see you later, Sarah. And he goes. He goes in and he sleeps with Hagar, and she gets pregnant. And ladies, I mean, just put yourself in, in Sarah's shoes just for a minute. Imagine you're seeing the woman that your husband slept with, and now she has a baby. And all of a sudden, the whispers around the camp are, hey, Abraham and Hagar are going to have a baby. Abraham and Hagar are going to have a baby. Yeah, it was Sarah's fault. It's her fault. Abraham can still have kids. It was Sarah's fault the whole time. It was because of her that God wasn't fulfilling his promise. And so imagine how Sarah feels. Uh, imagine the, the embarrassment, the regret, the, man, God, am I not good enough? God, God am I not good enough? I, I mean, why, why can't I have a child? I've been faithful to Abraham all, and you can read the story. I, I've done every, everything Abraham's told me. God, why, why not me? And so Sarah is upset and frustrated, and, 
And like all of us, we do this. When something goes wrong, our tendency is to blame someone else. And she says, Abraham, this is your fault. Of course it is. Yes, it's your fault, Abraham. I know I came up with this idea and I told you to do this, but this is your fault, Abraham. And Abraham says, is it too late for me to say sorry? I know that I let you down. Is it too late to say sorry? Are we singing that at the gospel? No? Okay. All right. Anyway, the kids might know that song, but um, hashtag purpose. Uh, anyway, but he's like, Sarah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. And she's like, I'm, I'm so mad at Hagar, and I'm so mad at you. you. You've brought this into our camp. Why did you do this to us? And so the Bible tells us that Sarah begins to mistreat Hagar. And that word mistreat is the same word that's used hundreds of years later when it says the Egyptians begin to mistreat the Israelites when they were slaves in Egypt. And so now Hagar is being verbally and emotionally and probably physically abused. And so Hagar packs up and she runs away from this situation. And listen to these verses. Same chapter, 16, verses 7, it says, Now an angel of the Lord found Hagar near the spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road of Shur. And, and he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where, where have you come from and, and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. And then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and, and submit to her. Hagar's running away from Sarah, and she runs out into this desert and we're near this spring, and, and this angel appears and says, where are you going, Hagar? And she's like, she says the same thing Sarah was saying a few moments ago. I've done everything. This was not my idea. I, 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 I've served Sarah faithfully. I, I've done everything. She told me to sleep with her husband, and so I, I did what she told me to do. And, and now I was even willing to carry this child that's inside of me for them. I was going to give them this baby so that, God, you could fulfill this promise to them. And, and I was going to do this, and, and now I'm being mistreated, and I'm being harassed. And, and I did nothing wrong. I did everything that I was told to do. And the angel of the Lord tells her, go back and submit to Sarah. And church, it, if you're a follower of Christ here this morning, have you ever done, it seems, everything right in your family, at work, in situations, in compromising circumstances? You've done what's right, and it still feels like it's not going well for you. And in this part of our story, Hagar is the only one who's obeying the Lord. Hagar says, okay, and she goes back into a situation and a circumstance that is not the best situation and circumstance for her. And she's willing to submit control and she's willing to give up her will and what she wants to do because the Lord told her to. And it doesn't end well for Hagar. She has the baby and Abraham names him Ishmael. And Abraham loves Ishmael and he loves Hagar. And the Bible tells us that Ishmael grows up. And finally, over 14 years later, Ishmael's 14 now, and Sarah finally has a baby. And his name is Isaac. And he's the son of the promise. 
And every time that Sarah sees Hagar and every time that Sarah sees Ishmael, she's reminded of the day that she decided, God, I've got a plan. I've got an idea. I'm going to take control of this situation. I'm going to take control of this. God, we, we've got a plan. We've got an idea. Every time that she sees Ishmael and Hagar, she remembers, that's the day I thought I knew better than God. And so she says, Abraham, get rid of the slave woman and get rid of Ishmael. Get rid of him. And Abraham's heart is broken because he loves Ishmael. And so he gives them some food and water, and he sends them out into the desert. And they run out of food and water, and the Bible says that they're getting ready to die. But the Lord appears to Hagar again. She, he rescues her. He makes her a promise that he's going to make Ishmael into a great nation. And you can read the rest of the story. They move down to Egypt, and God blesses Ishmael, and God blesses Isaac. And this all happened because a couple wanted to control this area of their life. Now, I'm going to close just here in just one moment. But isn't this story so relatable, church? I mean, we can change the names and we can change the faces and we can change the situation a little bit here. But aren't there times in your life and in my life where we say, God, I got this. <laughs> I got it. I've got this. I, I can handle this situation. I can handle this circumstance. And we think that we've got it. We, we have control of the situation. We have control of what's going to happen. And we think we got it until something begins to break down and something begins to happen. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we lose control. All of a sudden, we don't have what we thought that we had. And we lose control of that. And we're faced with pain and hurt and regret and, and remorse, all because we said, God, I, I think I know better than what you, you know. And, and so the question for us is, is this, who are we going to trust? Are we going to trust ourselves, or are we going to trust God? Are we going to, to listen to ourselves or are we going to listen to God? Because church, and I want to remind you of this. The Bible tells us this, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Did you know that? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That God says you're beautiful, you're incredible, you're amazing. Some of you need to hear that this morning. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, but you are not God. Let that sink in for a moment. You're not God. And so many times in my life and so many times in your life, we want to play God. We want to play God and we want to act like we know better than God knows. And in Isaiah, God said, oh, hold on. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. Your, my ways are way higher than your ways. You thought you knew, but I'm telling you, you have no idea. You're created in the image of God, church, but you are not God. And so many times in our lives, we want to play or act like God. And maybe you're new here this morning and you're like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew the minute that I came back to church, eventually someone was going to talk about this, that, that I need to surrender control to God. You pastors, you preachers are all the same. You just want to control me. You just want to manipulate me. You just want, you want to get, get control of my money, my family, my future. You guys just want to control me. God and all of the religious systems of the world are just about controlling me. And if that's you this morning, I hope you come back next week because pastor's preaching, okay? 
but I can't let you off the hook. Because I think, and I think you know this, if God just wanted to control you, he would have created you that way. If God just wanted you to be cookie cutter like every other Christian that you see, he would have made you that way. He would have made you into a robot or he would have put you as a puppet on the end of his strings, but he didn't. He gave you a choice. He gives Abraham a choice. He gives Sarah a choice. He says, you can choose. You can choose to trust me and, and to the promises that I made, the covenant that I made with you. You can choose to trust me or you can choose to try to figure this out on your own. The choice is yours. And regardless, if you're a brand new Christian, if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in the Bible, or you've been following Christ for a long, long time, all of us struggle with this giving up control to God. Because we think that we know better. See, and I've got this little quote here, and you can write this down if you're taking notes. If you're not, it's fine. The process of surrendering control begins with deciding who we can trust. The process with surrendering control begins with deciding who we can trust. This is true in every area of your life. If I'm going to have an, a person come over to my house and babysit my kids, Abigail, Malachi, and Lily, and I'm going to let them in my home and watch three of the most precious, amazing people that belong, that are part of my life. They don't really belong to me. They belong to God. But that are a part of my life that I love with my dying breath. If I'm going to let someone come into my house and watch my three kids while Linnell and I go out on a date night, I have to ask myself, do I trust this person? Because they're getting ready to to take control of my family here for a few hours. Do I trust them? The same thing is true with you. It's tax season, correct? Don't forget to do your taxes, right? You have to figure out, do I trust this person, this organization that I'm getting ready to hand my portfolio over to, all of my financial statements, all of my information? Do I trust this person with this information? The process of surrendering control has to start with who can be trusted. So church, my question to you this morning is just simply this. Who can you trust? Yourself? Can you trust yourself? I mean, you know where it's led you just trusting completely and totally in yourself all of the time. Is it you that you can trust? Is it something you read in a magazine? Is it something that you read in a book somewhere? Who, who can you trust? Because the process of surrendering control starts with, with this, who can be trusted? The, the writer Solomon, and if you're not from church, you might not know who that is. He, he was an, a king in the nation of Israel. The Bible tells us that he was one of the most wisest men to ever walk on this planet. He, he, he said it this way, and, and we're still talking about him 5,000 years from, from then to now, and we're probably... Not going to be talking about anyone in this room 5,000 years from now, so we can probably listen to what he, as good as you are, as smart as you are, as beautiful as you are, people, we're probably not going to be talking about you. More than likely, maybe 5,000 years from now, but we're still talking about Solomon, and this is what Solomon says. He says, there's a way that appears right to man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. There's a way that appears right to me, and, and if I control this situation, I can figure it out. I, I can do this. So, so the question is, who, who can be trusted? Because eventually our decisions can lead us to somewhere we don't want to go. And I'm ending with this. This, this stool represents us surrendering control to God. 
And there's some of you who've walked in here, and, and this is you. This is how much you, you trust God. You, you're like, I don't know. I don't know if God can be trusted. And then there's some of you who, you, you trust God a little bit with some of the areas of your life. You're like, okay, I can trust God with, with this. When I'm in a jam, when I'm in a bad spot, I'll, I'll trust God. That I, can, I can do this. And then there's some of you who you're, you're halfway on and you're halfway off. You're, you're like this, okay, I, I trust God most of the time, but just in case, I mean, I wanna have a backup plan. I don't, I don't want to put all of me in yet because I'm still, I, I'm still trying to, I don't know if I can completely, totally surrender. I mean, is this trusting in the stool if I walked around and I said, and I go to all these other nations, you need to trust in the stool. You need to trust in God. You need to pray this prayer and believe in it. You need to trust in God. Is this trusting in the stool? No, trusting in the stool comes this way. When I put all of me on all of God. And there's no backup plan. Okay, God, I trust you. God, I trust you in my marriage, even though it doesn't seem to be going the way that I wanted it to go. God, I, I trust you with my health, even though the doctors have said this and it doesn't look, I, God, I, I trust you with my kids. And it's hard, God, because they're not living the way that I raised them to live and they're not doing what I thought that they were going to do, and, and I, I, I did it. I raised my kids in the fear of the Lord, and, and I directed them in the way he should go, but God, they're, but I trust you. I, I trust you with my finances, Lord. It's, I'm struggling to make ends meet. I'm not getting where I thought I was going to be, but God, I, I'm going to trust you. All of me on all of you, God. There is no plan B. There is no other thing. God, I've placed all of me on you, and I'm saying, okay, whatever may come, I surrender, God. I surrender. All to Jesus, I surrender. It doesn't say 10% to Jesus, I surrender. Some of it to him I freely give. Sometimes I'll trust him, and I love him. On Sunday mornings in his presence, I'll daily live. I surrender some. No, it, it, it's, God, I'm, I'm surrendering all of me. God, and all of you, and I, I don't get it, God. And it's been years since I thought you made this promise, I thought he was going to be here by now. I, I thought they were going to do this by now. I thought I would be there by now. But God, it's been years, God, that I've been praying this prayer. It's been years that I've been weeping these tears. It's been years that I've been going through this struggle, God. But I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you, God. I trust you. I surrender control, not what I want. And church, you know this story. Worship team, if you guys can come back. You know this story. Jesus, on the night he's betrayed, he's in the garden. And the Bible tells us that he's sweating drops of blood. And he's crying out. He's, he's praying to God, God, if there's any other way, if there is any other way to do this, God, I'm getting ready to take on the sins of humanity. If there is any other way, God, 
please, 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 please take this cup from me. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. There's this conflict in me. I, I want to control the situation. I, I, I want to, God. But if there's any other way, but not, not what I want, God. What do you want? And Jesus sits in the chair of surrender and says, okay, I surrender. And I'm going to go to the cross. And I'm going to get my beard pulled out. And I'm going to get whipped with lashes. And I'm going to bleed and I'm going to die. But God, I surrender and I trust you. And so church, that's my question. Because there's some of you in here and, you, and you're just thinking this way. If I could just get in control of fill in the blank. If I could just get in control of this, then I'd be happy. Then life would be better. I would be better. My family would be better. My finances. If, if I could just control this, then I would be. What is it for you? And can I ask you to ask yourself this question? Why can't God be trusted? Is it because he's not smart enough? If it's, is it because he's not in touch with, with the day and the age that we live in? Is it because he's, he's not good enough? Why can't God be trusted? Why? And so you have to ask, who, who am I going to trust? Who am I going to surrender my life to?